Welcome to the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Peculiar's People's Parish, where we pronounce His power, pursue His purpose, and proclaim His praise. Enjoy this preaching. This evening, by the grace of God, our focus will be on a topic called Limiting the Unlimited God. Limiting the Unlimited God. And the first text that we are going to take will be from the book of Psalms number 78 from verse 40 to verse 41. Psalms 78, I'll be reading from verse 40 to verse 41. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. The text I just read now is an account in the Psalms of all the bad behaviors of the children of Israel. Despite all that God did for them, at one point or the other in the course of their journey from Egypt to the promised land, the Bible tells us that many of them were destroyed on the way just because they did not believe God. After all that God did for these people, despite all that God did for them, events that had never taken place in the history of the world that God blessed them with, despite all this, at one point or the other, in the lives of these people, they doubted God. And that was the beginning of their troubles. Let me quickly read from our manual for this evening, the introductory part of our lesson. One of the greatest errors that can shut a man out of exploits and rob him of attaining divine destiny is to judge God's ability by human logic and past experiences. Logic can be factual, but God's word is the only tested and trusted truth. You see, the bedrock of limiting God is unbelief and doubt. Let me quickly say that again. The bedrock of limiting God is unbelief and doubt. And that is why Jesus says, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. I want us to look at the other side of that statement. What it means is that if you do not believe, you limit the glory of God. Very simple. And that is in the book of John, chapter 11, verse 40. You see, I want to start with the example of the man of God called Samuel. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16 from verse 7 to 8. 1 Samuel chapter 16 from verse 7 to 8. That was the account of where God told Samuel to go to the house of Jesse, where he was going to anoint someone that was going to replace Saul. Don't forget, it was this same Samuel, a great man of God, that anointed Saul. And the Bible says that when he got to the house of Jesse, he was looking at all the sons of Jesse by the virtue of their appearances. 
and he depended on the kind of quality that he saw in Samuel, uh, that he saw in Saul when he anointed Saul the earlier time. The Bible tells us as the big boys in the house of Jesse, as they were approaching, Samuel, the man of God, was thinking in his heart when he saw the hefty size of the elder brothers of David, he thought in his mind that it would be one of those people that God was going to lead him to anoint. Past experience. Brethren, this evening we are going to see how the experiences that people have gathered in their lifetime, including Christians, please take note. Experiences that people have gathered over their lifetime could shortchange them from seeing the move of God part time. And they would rather depend on the past experience than open up their hearts to see what God is doing at the moment. Logic can be factual, but God's word is the only tested and trusted truth. When you reason according to the level of your education, when you reason according to the stipulation of economics, when you reason according to the postulations of sciences, those may be facts. But facts are not always true. The only tested and trusted truth is rooted in the word of God. And that is the reason, let us think about it. If God should say that the earth should be established upon the waters, let us reason it out. How possible could that be? Can you imagine the weight of the earth that God would say that the earth should be seated upon the waters? That beats logic. When God says, let there be light, at the time when God commanded that there should be light, there was no understanding of what light was. And the question should be, where did God bring the light from? It beats logic. And that is the way God acts. That is the way God works. It is just the reason why if you depend on logic, if you depend on the facts that are presented by the world where we live in, you will find it difficult to understand and to adopt the ways of God. Because the way of God would always beat human logic. A man of God said, if God says something which is not naturally possible or true, seen and unseen forces would rather change their courses to establish what God has declared. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 4 verse 17 that he calls those things that be not as if they were. I want you to think about it. What that thing means is this. When God wants to make a way to proclaim his power, God will declare something to be and he will make that thing to manifest from nothing. That is why the Bible says, he calls those things that be not as if they were. And that is why he is God. Unfortunately, we naturally tend to play safe and stay within the confines of our generally accepted norms than to stretch our faith to match the declaration of God's word. If we limit our trust in God to the things that we see physically, 
we have been shortchanged of true life. Jesus told Thomas in John chapter 20 from verse 24 to 29, when Thomas doubted when other disciples came and they told him that they saw Jesus, that Jesus had resurrected, Thomas said, if I do not see him and I should touch him, in fact, he went to the extent of, and I should put my hand into that hole where he was crucified, that I put my hand inside it like this, I will not believe you. And truly he did not, until Jesus appeared to him by himself. Jesus told him, Thomas, this is the hole, come and touch it. I want us to look at it. It's a very interesting story. John chapter 20. And we are going to see something that Jesus said there. When I read that scripture, I got an opening of the eye there. John chapter 20, verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and trust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were with him, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and he stood in their midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then said to Thomas, Reach here thy fingers, and behold my hands, and reach here thy hand, and trust it to my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are those that have not seen, and yet they believed. Listen to that verse 31. He said, but these things are written. It was Jesus that said this. But these things are written, that ye might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that in believing, ye might have life through his name. And what Jesus was saying there simply, you see, brethren, a lot of times we just gloss over the word of God and we don't discover some key things there. Jesus said, anybody that would have life in him must believe. And that is why, if all that makes us to believe, if we limit our trust in God to the things that we see physically, we have shortchanged ourselves. Not only have we shortchanged ourselves generally, but we have shortchanged ourselves of the power of life in him. I pray the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Very quickly, I want us to look at some case studies of people who limited God. Case studies of people who limited God. And I'm starting with First Kings, no, Second Kings, chapter 6. Second Kings, chapter 6, from verse 25. Second Kings, chapter 6. We shall start from that verse 25 to, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to read the whole of that chapter, but I will pick some. Second Kings, chapter 6, from verse 25. Okay. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until an ass head was sold for four score pieces of silver and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. 
And as the king of Israel was passing on, upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, If the lord does not help thee, whence shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or out of the wine press? I jump to chapter 7 from verse 1. Chapter 7. Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow, about this time, there shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Listen to this. Then a Lord, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, even if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not eat thereof. Verse 6. For the Lord had made the Lord the Lord and had made the host of Syria to bear a noise of chariots, to hear a noise of chariots, and a noise of horses, and the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Hmm. Verse 20. Okay, verse 19. And that Lord answered the man of God and said, Now, behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, and that Lord answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, might such a thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And so it fell out unto him, for the people trod upon him in the gate that he died. I just did a very quick summary of that story. You see, I know we are familiar with this story. But what put this man, the Bible describes him as the king's advisor. And he was called the man on whose arm the king leaned. What put this man in trouble was the word of his mouth. When the man of God declared that the scarcity that is in the land will be over at so, so, so time. This man in his mind, he was thinking of all the information that was available to him. Because the Bible says that it was on his arm that the king leaned. In other words, before the king took a decision, he was one of the people that the king would consult with. This man knew everything that was happening in the land. Maybe he was even the, the economic advisor in the land. And this man limited God by saying, even if God would open the windows of heaven, can it be? Brethren, this is one of the lessons that we are drawing out from our study this evening. I want us to start to reflect. In the times of difficulty, what do we say about God? I remember a particular former president of Nigeria who said, even if Jesus should be the one that is conducting elections in Nigeria, it can never be rig-free. And I thought in my mind, if not for God's mercy, why would you limit the power of God for saying that? And I want us to bring it to ourselves. At the times when it looks like things are tough and difficult, what do we say about God? When some people say, it is only God that can intervene in this situation. Are we one of those people that we talk like this man here and say, this one, even God, cannot do anything about it? You know, we hear those kinds of statements from people. People say a lot, a lot of such. 
in places. I pray that Lord will deliver us in Jesus' name. This man made a statement that attracted God's wrath when he said, can God open the windows of heaven? The second, person, the second set of people that we are making our case study this evening are the ten spies. The ten spies and the children of Israel. You know, there were 12 of them that were sent to go and spy the promised land. But the Bible tells us that it was only, it was only Caleb and Joshua that came back to report something positive. All the other ten, when they came, they only amplified the facts of what they saw there above the reality of the promise of God for them. Brethren, we have to be very careful. If God has promised you that he is going to do something for you, you should know there will be giants. But when you see those giants, what do you say? If God promises you that he's going to deliver a deliverance to you, if God promises you that he is going to heal you, if God promises you that he is going to bless you, definitely there will be giants. Definitely there will be situations that will tempt you to doubt. But at such times, what do we say with our mouths? These people requested to send spies first to confirm a project that had been completed by God. You see, we may not have all the time to read all the scriptures tonight, but I want to draw your attention to something in this study. Do you know what I'm sharing with you now? I'm telling you sincerely, it was when I was studying the scriptures last month that I saw it for the first time. Do you know it was not the plan of God that Moses should send spies to go and see that land? Let's look at it together. It was the people that demanded for it. Let us look at it. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Let's go there together. It was not God's plan because God had told them the promises, the blessings that he reserved for them in that promised land. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 20 to 23. And I said unto you, you are come unto the mountain of Amorites, which the Lord God doth give you. Behold, the Lord thy God has set a land before thee. Go up and possess it. And the Lord, the God of thy fathers, had said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. Verse 22, look at it. Moses said, And ye came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us, and they shall search out that land, and bring word back unto us again, by what way we must go, and in what cities we should come. And the saying pleased me well, and I took twelve men of you, one of a tribe. God had given them a perfect picture of the promised land that he wanted to give them. God had told them that they should just go and they should take over. But because of unbelief, these people felt like, hmm, what if we go there, all of us, and something happens to us? They made a demand of Moses that don't let all of us go there. Let us send 12 people. Let them go there first. Let them bring reports to us. And that was their undoing. Out of the 12 people that went there, 10 people came back. 
And what those 10 people could only tell them were what they saw with their physical eyes, above what God had told them. I want us to reason in this line. Before God told them that they should go and take that land, didn't God know that it was the Anakites, those giants that were there? Didn't God know? God had a provision, and God had told them that he had prepared that land perfectly for them. But when those guys came back and they gave them a negative report, they forgot what God had said earlier. I pray the Lord will deliver us in Jesus' name. These people, they were conquered by low self-esteem. I don't know. Where do we underrate ourselves? You know, God works in mysterious ways. If God wants to bless you, if God wants to lift you, it does not depend on what you have. It does not depend on who you are. If that is the word of God, just take it like that. Because God has perfected his work within his promise. There are times when God works wonders in ways that you cannot really imagine it. And because he just wants to be God. So that he will take all the glory. Let me share this with us very quickly. I remember many years ago when I was moving from one job to the other and I went for an interview. When I got there, I saw the crowd. I told myself, no, this one is not for me. I packed my things and I wanted to go back home. Meanwhile, I traveled all the way from Kaduna to Abuja for that interview. I packed my bags. I said, no, this crowd is too much. This, this job is not for me. And something told me, are you crazy? You came all the way from Kaduna in Nigeria to Abuja. And you are telling yourself that because of a crowd, you are going back. Stay. Okay. I tried. I stayed. After about three stages, let me cut that story short. And you see the way God works. I remember when I was talking to the man that later became the MD of that organization. And the man said, introduce yourself. Meanwhile, the name of the secondary school that I attended, it sounds similar to a school at that time that was rated as the best school in Nigeria, best secondary school. So when I started to introduce myself and I mentioned the name of the secondary school I attended, that was my starting point. After mentioning my name and I mentioned the school I attended, the man said, oh, these are the kind of people we want. There is nobody that goes to that school that, that is not smart, blah, blah, blah. I was telling him, no, not the one you are saying. Look at my resume. The school I mentioned is different. The man would not allow me to lie. He said, no, don't say anything. No, you are the one we want. When he felt like I was arguing with him. He just dipped his hand into his pocket, brought out his card and said, on Monday, I'm going to call you by myself. And that was how I got the job. You see, there are times when the way we think that God is going to work, and that is why he is God, it's not the way he is going to work. He will beat our imagination. He will surprise us. When he's giving things unto us that probably we think is more than us, that is why he is God. And that was the provision that God had for the children of Israel here. But low self-esteem robbed them of the promise. Do you know that because of that grumbling that they did there, Bible study makes me to realize that the distance between where they were at that time to the promised land was 11 days journey. And that journey was now prolonged. These guys had to be surrounding that place until the all of that generation died. 
I want you to think about it. At what space in our lives do we limit God right now? If God is telling you that this is the promise he has for you, what do you think in your heart? And the Bible says, as you think in your heart, so you are. The Lord will renew our hearts in Jesus' name. The next one, Zechariah the, pro the priest. Zechariah the priest. In the book of Luke chapter 1 from verse 5 to verse 20 of Zechariah, uh, the story of Zechariah, the Bible makes us to see that this man limited God's ability to make him a father because of old age. Was that old age, was it a farce? No, it was a reality. But God's word came to him and God told him that he would have a son. At that point in time, the Bible makes us to understand that Zechariah was putting up some facts of life. You see, brethren, let's take note of this. One of the things that can put a man in trouble with God are the facts of life. God does not walk by the facts of life. The Bible says, Zechariah was advancing the reasons why what the angel told him could not happen. He said that both himself and Elizabeth, in fact, it was recorded about them that they were stricken in age. They were very old. And the next thing he would have asked the angel was, what sign would you give me to make me know that you are not lying to me? When you are telling me that at this old age, I'm going to have a child. And that was a mistake on his part. God told him, from this moment, you are going to be mute. You could not speak until when that promise was delivered. I'm asking us again tonight, brethren. Do we also ask God, this thing that you have said, hmm, can it even happen? Looking at all the circumstances around me. I don't know. Maybe there is a miracle that we have also been trusting God for. And it is like time is far spent on it. If it is God that has promised it, he has that capacity to change the course of life, to make his word to stand true. Let every man be liar. God will forever be true. God always has that power to change all the, in fact, the courses of life will bow in order to make the word of God to stand. Satan has all the facts that naturally justify our limitations. But God has the truth that qualifies us for his glory. And that is why the Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. All those old things, all those things that are against the word of God in our lives, those things are old. A new chapter has been opened for us in Christ. All we need to do is to believe him and to take advantage of that promise that is ever available and ever sure. Number four, Joash, the king of Israel. The Bible tells us about this man. When the man of God told him that he should shoot the arrow through the window, the man of God told him, you should strike the ground. You should strike the ground with the arrow. You know, many a times, just like this man, we don't have all the time to read all those scriptures, but I want to implore us, please let us create time to read all these scriptures. 
When God gave him that opportunity to strike the ground, only God knows what he had in his mind. This man has come again. Let me just do it and leave. And that was where he limited God. Just because at that point in time, he was not in tune with what God was doing in his life. I don't know where we have also stopped the word of God in our lives just because of half dedication in what we do. You see, a simple instruction could come from men of God. It could be from our pastor. It could be a very simple instruction which, do not, which does not make sense. But you see, our God does not work by human sense. Can you imagine how would God wrap around the victory that this king should have for next generations to come, how would God wrap it around striking the ground with the arrow? If God should give us the privilege today to do something simple, how are we going to approach it? Are we going to tell ourselves, this one does not make sense? Number five, Peter the Apostle. In the book of Acts of Apostle chapter 10, from verse 9 to 18, the Bible tells us there that God, because of what he intended to do, he sent some animals in the basket from heaven down. And that voice commanded Peter, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter was arguing with that divine voice. Oh Lord, you know that I've never eaten anything uncommon all my life. The Bible says it came the first time, it went up, it came the second time, it came the third time, and Peter was saying the same thing. If not for God, that was how Peter would have lost the opportunity in the man called Cornelius. If not for God, that was how Cornelius' journey would have been terminated there. Just because somebody was not looking at what God was doing in that dispensation. He was relating with God according to the old traditions and customs. As we move on, we are going to see more of that. Why do we place limits on God's abilities? Number one, I've mentioned this severally tonight, human logic. The king's advisor was an insider in government. He had the facts of the prevailing situations. The recession at that time was beyond an immediate economic stimulus, but not beyond God. His destructive error was that he boxed God into the economic stipulations of that time. Do you know that even among us, children of God today, when God promises that he's going to do this, he's going to do that, the first thing we tell God is, ah, there is a recession all over the world. We fail to know that even in times of recession, some people make it. Why are we not one of those people that can make it? This man limited God. He said, even if God opened the windows of heaven, that miracle could not happen. Let us be very watchful of what we say. Today, we place limits on God because of what we read in books, newspapers, academic authorities. You need to read Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 18. In too much knowledge, there is confusion. People when they depend on scientific postulations, they will tell you this is what science is. The word of God will always beat science. The word of God will never be subjected to science. Do you know, 
a lot of children of God today, the reason why they cannot move forward is because when they wake up in the morning, it is what they read in the newspaper, what they read on the internet, those are the things that are going to form their opinion for the day rather than the word of God. I can imagine the way this man put himself in trouble because he had too much of the facts around him. Such that when the word of God came, the facts that he had gathered over time overwhelmed the word of God that proceeded. And because of that, he just limited the word of God. Number two, age of an unpalatable situation. The story of Zechariah and Elizabeth that we read earlier, <clears throat> or that we cited earlier, were old. Zechariah and Elizabeth were old, and they were beyond biologically productive years. And this is why they resigned to faith. When you adopt faith in the place of faith, you limit God. I will say that again. When we adopt F-A-T-E, faith, in the place of F-A-I-T-H, faith, we limit God. Do you know, many people today, even in the church, because of the situation that they have found themselves in over time, they tell themselves, this one, as it was, so shall it be forever and ever. They put amen. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Yes, when hope is deferred, people lose hope. But that is why we have Jesus. Because he is the hope where there is no hope. The third one, severity of a situation. The ten spies that we mentioned earlier and other Israelites, they allowed the appearance of their God-given prayer to intimidate them. Be careful of how you interpret what you see. I was listening to my elder brother recently when he was explaining the difference between what David saw in Goliath and what the rest of Israel, what they saw in Goliath. I was looking at it that this is true. He said that when the whole of Israel, they were seeing the giant Goliath, the Bible tells us in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17, from verse 4 to 7, and from verse 42, and back to verse 26. The Bible says that when David stood there, he said, you have come unto me with all this javelin, with this spear, with all these weapons, but I have come unto you in the name of the Lord God of Israel, whom you have disdained, you this uncircumcised Philistine. When the whole of Israel were looking at Goliath, from the waist upwards that he was a giant, David was looking at him from the waist downwards, uncircumcised Philistine. What do you see in your giants? You see, many a times, the devil makes us to magnify the challenges around us. He will give us a wrong picture of everything, and if care is not taken, we start to say things that are not in line with the word of God. I pray that Lord will circumcise our mouths in Jesus' name. David said concerning Goliath, you uncircumcised, and that was the downfall of Goliath. Because by the virtue of circumcision, 
the Israelites had a covenant with the God of Israel, which has given them an advantage over the Philistines. What do you know about the weakness of your enemies? What do you know about the weakness of the challenges that are confronting you? The next one, pride, self-sufficiency, and self-righteousness. The devil hardens the hearts of some people, and he makes them to assume that they do not need God, and that they could be great without God. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts chapter 12 from verse 21 to 23 about a particular king called Herod. Herod puts himself in the position of God. The honor that's supposed to come to God, Herod took it to himself and he limited God. He told himself, if there is a God at all, let him hold wherever he is. But right now, let me hold this place. I am the God of this earth. And that was his downfall. Herod received the honor that was due to God, and that was what finished him. Agrippa, when Paul was standing before him, he disdained the offer of salvation. He said that he was almost persuaded. He disdained the offer that God brought to him. He told Paul, he said, you nearly converted me. The Bible did not tell us that he was converted eventually. He lost that opportunity. Because he disdained the free gift of salvation. The next one, several past efforts. In the case of Zechariah and Elizabeth, because they have made several attempts to have a child until they were well stricken in age, as the Bible puts it. Sarah also laughed when the angel declared that he was going to have a son. The Bible says that she laughed. She looked at herself after all these years. This man is a joker several past efforts these are some of the reasons why people just when they tell them ah do you know that this situation god can still they will not even allow you to learn they will say oh, if you know how many years that we have been on it if you know how many things we have done if you know how many doctors we have seen if you know how many solutions that we have sought the fact that past efforts had failed does not mean that god is a failure when god says a thing in his due time that thing will still happen Customs, traditions, and general consensus, like we said about Peter the other time. Lack of knowledge of God's work and faith in God's word. The Israelites forgot all that God had done in the course of their journey. God earlier instructed them to teach his commandments to their generations, but they failed. They forgot all that God had done for their fathers. This led to apostasy, falling away when they were overwhelmed by the mixed multitude that followed them. You see, and that is the reason why we have to be very careful. In this country where we are, many of these people, if you hear their stories, I've heard the stories of some of them. If you hear their stories and you know the background that they came from, you get to know who their forefathers were. They had forefathers that were very godly. They sought God. But at a point in their lives, when comfort came, they forgot about God. I was listening to a guy recently. His name is Matthew, a Canadian. And they said, they were, the guy was talking about church. And he said he wonders what people are doing in church. Because all his life, he cannot remember any time that he had been to church all his life. And his name is Matthew. Matthew. 
lack of knowledge of God's works and faith in the word of God. In the case of the Israelites, the Bible tells us, I want to implore us, please, take time, go and read that Psalms number 78. Read it. The Bible says, God told them, God told the Israelites that they should tell the stories of all those things that he did. They should tell it to their children. And their children should tell it to their children's children. So that through the generation, they will remember that there is a covenant with one God. I don't know how they missed it. But definitely, what it means is that they did not tell those stories to their children. I want to warn us, brethren, and our brethren that are listening from home, don't you ever be carried away by the kind of comfort, in quotes, that you have in this country. Tell your children where you are coming from. Don't ever forget to share with your children the things that God has done for you so that they will not fall into the trap of Everything happens by default in Canada. Let me tell you, things don't just happen by default. Even the things that are happening well in this land, it is because they have received grace from God. If God should be taken away from the equation of something that is going well, there is nothing anybody can do. It will not work. Don't let us forget those things that God had done for us in the times past. That is where we can draw confidence when times of difficulties come and you tell yourself, the Lord that did this one in 19 so, 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 that God is still alive. He will do this one too. But when we forget about those things that God has done, Satan will take advantage of us. I pray the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Condemnation that underrates the provision of redemption. That is another reason why people place limits on God's abilities. Condemnation that underrates the provision of redemption. The devil deceives people that their sins are beyond forgiveness. He deludes them from accepting the free gift of salvation. Isaiah chapter 1, 18 to 20. The Bible says, do your sins. In fact, from that verse 18, God said, come, let us reason it together. Do your sins be as scarlet." They shall be as white as snow. Give air, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Verse 2. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. Next verse. Which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Yes. We will not hide them from their children. No. I thought you were displaying Isaiah chapter 1 from verse 18 to 20. What that place is saying there is, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as wool. You see, Satan gives people the impression, see, your own situation is beyond redemption. You better continue your life like this. Even if God looks at you, you will just look away. You have not had people that say that. Some people will tell you, I remember in my home country, whenever we went out to preach to people, I have met somebody that told me, he said, see, the bad things I have done in life, I know that, not me, not the person, no. he said, if God should see him, that God will be so angry that he will throw him, that now he wants that sin to be so much that God will throw him beyond the hellfire. I looked at him, how stupid human beings could be. Satan deluded them, and they felt like they were so bad that God could not accept them. 
in their minds they think they are being truthful with themselves whereas devil is cheating them and robbing them of the eternal provision that god has made for them you see by the time human beings are looking at god from that perspective in their minds they will think that they are just being factual and they are just being humble anything that will make man to reject the salvation the provision of salvation is pride is from the pit of hell the last one inability to see through the eyes of the spirit i mentioned that earlier king joash would have struck the ground until he was asked to stop if he saw in the spirit the reason for that instruction let us look at the consequences of limiting god number one unfulfilled destiny in the book of judges chapter 4 from verse 4 to 9 the bible tells us about a man called barak barak refused to take the leadership slot that was ordained to him by god the blessing that barak should have gotten went to jael the wife of heber a kenite when god told when god told barak through deborah that barak should go and fight that battle and god said he was going to give him the victory for one reason or the other Barak felt like, ah, it is not people like us that should go. Deborah, if truly God has told you that you should tell me that, let us go together. And hear the pronouncement of Deborah there. He said, and surely I will go with you, but let it be known unto you that the honor of that victory will not be yours. It will be given to a woman. Do you know that the woman that got that honor, because if you go to read it, the woman that got that honor truly, at the end of the day, she was not even part of the promise of God. She was not part of the covenant. I don't know where we are also limiting God now. And the thing that probably God is giving us instructions to do, we are feeling like we are too inadequate. I don't know whatever we are thinking in our minds. And this goes to all of us. Wherever we are limiting the voice of God that is propelling us to move to the higher ground, and we are telling ourselves, and no, nobody in my family has ever done that. You know, some people now, they will say, the story that they are hearing every day is that a black man does not become a director in Canada. And that is what they have, you know, planted in their own hearts. So in everything they are doing, they are just preparing themselves for the average. If I can just manage to, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. Consequences of limiting God. Unfulfilled destiny. That's number one. Number two, disappointments and grief. Disappointments and grief. The book of Psalms, number 16, verse 4. Psalm 16, verse 4. The Bible says, How great their sorrow shall be that seek after another God. You see, anything that will make man to look for another alternative elsewhere, you are looking for another God. It is not only when you go to be bowing down to an idol somewhere. No. Whatever will shift your focus from the living God, and you are looking at another person, that you have made him the God in your life, that person has become an idol. Anything can happen. Who is he that puts his trust in man? Anything can happen 
Man can promise you. They can fail. By the time man is putting his trust in another man rather than God, and you are limiting God, you see, some people will tell you, ah, God in heaven is the one that will do this one. Ah, no. There is somebody that I know somewhere. If God loves you, that person that you think you know somewhere, if God loves you, even when that person tries to help you, it will result into frustration. And God will use that situation to draw you back to himself. I don't know how many of us can look into our lives and you look at situations where you trusted man to get some things done for you. And those things did not work. And by the time you resign unto God that, Lord, I give it all over to you, God makes way. But unfortunately, we don't learn our lessons on time. That thing keeps repeating itself in our life. Number three, why that gap from God and his blessings? Why that gap from God and his blessings? The Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 2, from verse 13 to 19, Israel forsook the fountain, which is God. They created for themselves broken cisterns. The Bible says in that chapter, please read it when you get home. And those of us at home, you can look at it. The Bible says there, Israel has committed two errors. The first one, they disdained God. They rejected God. And the second one, that God that is their source, a source of fountain, of living waters, they left him. They now went to create broken cistern, broken pot. Not even just a pot that is old. Can you imagine it? For somebody to leave a fountain of water, and for you to now be craving for a pot, not just a old pot, but a broken pot. And that is what God said about them. This thing will widen the gap between man and God. It will make man to lose his blessings. And that was what happened to the children of Israel. They are sure promise from God. They are sure savior in God. They left that one. And they were looking for idols to help them. The last one, deprivation of eternal rest. Hebrews chapter 3 from verse 18. Hebrews chapter 3 from verse 18 to chapter 4, verse 3. The Bible says there that Israelites, they missed the rest that God prepared for them from the foundations of the earth due to unbelief. There was a rest that God had provided for them. The Bible says, and that rest was provided from the foundation of the world. What a beautiful provision. But because of unbelief, they lost that eternal rest. The Bible says that all that generation, they were destroyed on the way because of unbelief. Finally, let us look at what to do. Number one, always fill your heart with God's word. Fill your heart always with the word of God. You see, the only way by which we can counter all the evil thoughts and imagination that the devil will bring is through the power of the word of God. There is no other thing that you can use to fortify yourself than the word of God. I want us to quickly look at Jude. The book of Jude, chapter 1. I'm going to read it from verse 16 to 21. Jude, chapter 1. Of course, Jude has only one chapter. From verse 16 to 21. These are murmurers, complainers, 
walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's person in admiration because of advantage. But beloved, remember ye these words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you that there be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You see, the only way by which we can build our holy faith is for us to receive that fortification from the word of God. Without the word of God in our hearts, we are just empty. My daughter said something some time ago, and I, I, that thing had remained in my heart. It was during one of our morning devotions, the day she took the morning devotion. She said, anybody that is not under the security of God is just like lizard in the hand of Satan. And when she said that thing, I felt like, what kind of analogy is this one? And I thought about it. What value do you place on a lizard? I remember when we were young, we just used to kill lizard anyhow. And that is how Satan, that is how he handles anybody that cannot find his refuge in God. The only way by which we are secured, the only way by which we relate with that God is for us to know him through his word. The second one, watch out for the company that you keep. And watch out for what you talk about. Psalm number 1 verse 1. Blessed is that man who does not. The Bible gives us a clear picture there. What is the kind of company that we keep? In the company we keep, what do they say there? Do you know that a lot of people, the opinion that they form on which their lives are built depends on what they have had over time in the company that they keep. The kind of friends they keep, they are telling them, this one is not possible. There is problem here. There is this. They don't say anything negative. Even if you are not saying it with them, at that point in time, they are building some monuments in your hearts. And that is what is affecting a lot of people. Watch the kind of company you keep and watch those things that you say in that company. Number three, seek daily the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit so that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, from verse 16 to 17. Always learn to walk in the Spirit. Seek the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God that was given to you at salvation is not sufficient. That one is meant for you to know at that point in time, to give you that confidence and to testify with you that you have been redeemed. But you need the infilling of the Holy Spirit for you to grow in the Lord over time. The next one. Be quick to dislodge everything that raises itself against God in your heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. That verse 5 there, from 3 to 5, but I want to concentrate more on verse 5. Casting down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Everything that raises itself against the knowledge of God 
I was meditating on that very word recently. The knowledge of God there is not talking of what God knows. It is talking of what you know about God. Anything that negates those things that you have been taught about God, that you have been taught about what God can do, that you have read in the scriptures about God, whatever negates it, cast it down. That's what the Bible is saying there. A lot of times, we just allow our minds to stray. And in the course of this straying, you have sent your mind from one point to the other. You have gone very far. People will sit in the church. Their minds are not there. They have traveled far away. Call back your mind. Let your heart always be subjected to things that honor God. Those things that you have been taught about God, meditate on those things and let them fortify your life. The last one, take advantage of always praying in the Spirit. That book of Jude, verse 20, that we read earlier, that is how you build your holy faith. You see, many people do not understand the power that is in speaking in tongues. They disdain, they disdain it. Recently, I was telling pastor, every day when I'm traveling from Regina to my place of work, I use that time to just be praying and be speaking in tongues, you know, for a long distance. Because I understand that when you speak in tongues, a lot of times, it's just like you are covering the syllabus that you cannot ordinarily cover. Take advantage of praying in the Spirit. When you pray in the Spirit, you cover many things that you cannot cover when you are praying and you are saying the normal words. It builds your faith in the Lord and it makes a lot of things to come into the right perspective for you in the spirit realm. I pray that Lord will help us in Jesus' name. You see, one of the ways by which people shortchange themselves from receiving from God, because the Bible tells us in the book of James that there is nobody that is double-minded that will receive anything from God. You are looking at, is it the living God or the other alternatives? And you are now driving yourself from one end to the other from time to time. May we never be unstable in the presence of God. I want us to stand up as we pray. I don't want us to see ourselves this evening as I am beyond that one. As long as we are here on earth, there is a battle of the mind that we are all fighting. As long as we are here on earth, situations of this world would once in a while make us to feel like, hey, will this happen? There are things that we fear. There are things that always want to intimidate us. And that is where we need the fortification of the power of the Holy Spirit. I want us to pray only one single prayer. I want you to tell God, Oh Lord, my Father, I pray, let Jesus always be real to me. Let Jesus always be made real to me all the days of my life. If Jesus is real unto you, you will dispel all your fears and your doubts. You will not be confused about the person of God. And that was what happened to Thomas. When Thomas had an encounter with the resurrected Christ, all the doubt of where he was saying, 
unless i touch the whole of his palm unless i touch the one on his rib unless i unless i touch him by myself i will not believe when he saw jesus the reality of jesus dispelled all those things i want you to pray to god oh lord make jesus real to me all the days of my life in the mighty name of jesus father i pray unto you let jesus always be real in my life all my days baba let jesus always be made real unto me in the mighty name of jesus christ go ahead and pray unto the lord